Welcome to Horror and More with Anya Gore. I am your host, Anya Gore. Welcome. Today I have got a special guest with me, my sister, Julia. Hello, everybody. And today is a little bit different, the format. We decided as huge horror movie fans, we were going to watch a movie and review it. Now, I want to start off by giving everybody a forewarning. We are not movie reviewers. We are not critics. We are two horror movie snobs who thought it would almost be hilarious for people to listen to what we have to say about the movie Possessor. So, Possessor was a movie um, directed by Brandon Cronenberg, who is the son of David Cronenberg. Um, Cronenberg, you're, you're familiar with David Cronenberg, Julia? Yeah, yeah. I actually didn't know when we picked this movie um, that it was his son or that it was even a Cronenberg. And after I watched it, I was like, oh, that's really cool. It mm-hmm. makes sense. Anyway. <laughs> well, I mean, David Cronenberg is huge. You know, he did The Dead Zone. He did The Fly. Like, he's done so many movies. Yeah. Um, and I'm a fan of David Cronenberg. So I'm, I'm the same as you. I didn't pick this movie knowing it was Brennan Cronenberg who did this. Um, but I put it out there on the Instagram feed and people chose this one out of the three movies that we put out there. So we're going to talk about Possessor. So this is a spoiler alert for anybody that hasn't seen this yet. Go stop this now. Go watch it. Come back. Listen to what we have to say. And if you're finding that we've missed anything, any metaphors went over our head, we're not English majors, so that's quite possible. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Message me. Let me know what you guys thought of the movie Possessor, which got 93% on Rotten Tomatoes and and 6.5 out of 10 on IMDb. So, Julia, really briefly... What would you say you gave this out of five stars? Ooh, out of five, I I would say a four. Yeah, a four out of five. I thought so it was really cool. You'd say you enjoyed this movie. Yeah, I, I enjoyed it. Okay, I I yeah, I'm gonna give it a four and a half out of five. I loved it. Ooh, that's a that's a high score for you. You're picky. I know. <laughs> <laughs> That's good, though. <laughs> well, bearing in, bearing in mind that my top favorite horror movies get five out of five or even six out of five. <laughs> so. Six out of five. <laughs> oh, yeah. Us? Got like yeah. 10 out of five. <laughs> of course. Was hit it way out of the park for that one. And I'm going to praise that one until the end of time. But, <laughs> but so, yeah, it, was there anything about this movie that sticks out in your memory sticks out in your mind that you want to just touch upon before we kind of get into what we loved what we hated yeah I think the the main thing for me was the visuals of the movie just very cool I won't get into it too much now we can kind of elaborate but I knew nothing about the movie I didn't want to you know, research it. Um, I read like a little blurb and was like, whatever, I'm not going to look at this. Let's just watch it. So I didn't know what to expect, like what to expect at all. And um, yeah, the visuals and the colors and everything I thought were really cool. What about you? 
I, I completely agree with you. There was a part of me that was a little hesitant to watch because there are a certain subgenre horror where I don't want to call them art house, but they're really, really trying to be specific about color in movies. Mm-hmm. And I find a lot of those movies are almost a bit too pretentious for me, or yeah. I'm not smart enough to pick up on all of the nuances of everything. <laughs> I agree, though. There's definitely some movies that are done in that way. I know That's exactly what I was thinking. And I'm like, but it didn't get pretentious. No, no it didn't. It was... It was beautiful. I agree with you. Everything, the kill scenes were incredible yeah. and everything was, was amazing. The first thing that stuck out for me was the actress who plays the main character, Tazia, is in the movie Mandy, and oh. which, which is another movie based on color, right? Yeah, everything totally. Mandy is very visual, very visceral. And so I very distinctly remember her face from Mandy and um we don't really need to get into it now but I don't know if you watched Mandy I I, did I didn't like it everybody loved it I did not like it either interesting (laughs) no I didn't I actually found we don't have to get into too much detail about that one but I, I fell asleep at one point I was it visually was cool but I was bored and I don't know yeah I'm I'm exactly with you I felt it was a bit boring and Nicholas Cage, what can I say? I'm not a huge fan of his. He's done some <laughs> great performances, but I just don't, I don't know. I don't buy him. Yeah. yeah. He's just not a, not a great actor generally, but, um, <laughs> but okay, well, let's, let's launch right in. Let's talk about yeah. the opening scene, which blew my mind away. Honestly, like, so you've got this main character, Tazia is her name, and you don't really know very much about the backstory of this company that she works for, but they implement themselves into sort of the psyche of someone else, and they do something. So they're hired for some reason to do something, and then they have to have that host body commit suicide at the end, and that's how they get out. And immediately the opening scene was Tazia inside this woman, Holly, and she pulls this needle out of her skull I mean it looked real yeah the visual effects in this looked real I felt you know ill at sometimes watching this like you know when when Holly walks in and kills that guy and she pulls out this box cutter and stabs him or did she stab him or did she did yeah she no his throat uh I think oh yeah maybe she stabbed him in the throat and then Pushed him on the ground and was like, oh, stabbing, stabbing, stabbing. <laughs> and I'm yeah. a makeup artist who's done gory special effects at some points, you know. And I can really appreciate when it's well done. And I often pick out in movies. I'm like, that looks fake. That looks fake. But this looked legit, like so real. I had to look away. I was like, there's enough stabbing now. I need to not look at this. <laughs> but that's that's one of the things that I love about these kind of movies that sometimes the gore... Um, can turn you off and I felt the violence and the gore fit with this movie so it pushes it but then it doesn't push it to the point where you want to turn it off yeah because it's done in a beautiful way it's not just gore for the sake of gore it's it makes sense with the scene the story the visuals everything yes I agree and I I loved how 
you have Tazia have that vivid memory, you know, while she's having sex with her husband. Yeah. Yeah. Of the close up of the box cutter going into his neck. Like that to me was the first real scene where you can acknowledge there's something off about this person. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I mean, there's something off about this person for her to be able to do this as her job. (laughs) Well, yeah. (laughs) Well, from the beginning, she's a little off, but yeah, she's yeah. What I like Uh, is I think right from the beginning too, like you said, it like really piques your interest. You're just like, what is going on? Um, when that thing is inserted into Holly's head, you don't quite know, you know, even when you figure out it's Tassia, you don't really still fully know what's going on. It's like, you kind of get it, but it's like, wait a minute, (laughs) what is happening? Um, it's a really unique idea. I agree with you. And it's funny because you're so engaged in the movie that the ever looming, why are they doing this? Isn't as present as you would think it would be. Yeah. It's not really explained. No, no. Why this company does this isn't explained. They're just kind of, I I don't want to say virtual assassins because it's more than just a virtual, but they're technological assassins, maybe. I don't really know. I even had thoughts. I mean, because it's not explained, I'm like, oh, could this be like a sector of the government? Like, who knows? Well, absolutely. All you know is that people are getting, people are paying them to do this. Yeah. And the last big one is they're going to get lots of shares in this large company. (laughs) So, yeah, yeah, I also, I kind of thought like, like my, my thought was the root of hired assassins. That's sort of what they're doing, but yeah, that makes more sense than the government plan. (laughs) Well, but, but, but I liked, I like that thought of it though, because it's totally possible. I mean, there's so many black ops, right? The government hires people to kill people. And it absolutely could be a version of that. Um, What I really liked, and I don't even know if you noticed this, but when Holly went into that beautiful dining room and killed that man, she was wearing a tracksuit. And for some reason, Mm -hmm. it reminded me of the yellow tracksuit from Kill Bill. (laughs) And and I wondered, I wonder if he's a fan. I wonder if this was a tribute to Quentin Tarantino. I don't know. I don't know. There were, but she was Holly's care, or the like. Holly was wearing something similar to what some of the other people were wearing, though. So they were all there to do, like they were doing a job. She was working, I guess, right? But we don't know what they were all wearing. The blue were they? I thought they were all dressed up. Well, some of the other, some people there were dressed up, but there were when she was in an elevator with people. There was a couple others that had the same color blue on. They didn't look like track suits, but they looked like. The same color with like a white trim, I think. And right, so I yeah. thought they were all there doing some sort of job that wasn't clear. I don't know what it was, but um, but that's why I think she wasn't suspected because she was there to work. And But who knows? It could be an homage to Kill Bill. I mean, I don't know. <laughs> it made me think of Kill Bill. And I like that when you're watching a movie by one director and they give you little glimmers of something that gets you thinking about another movie but without taking you out of the movie yeah um i know right at this point of the movie after this kill has happened and tazia has finally woken up that's when i started really wondering and thinking ahead 
you know, like, who are these people? Are they hired assassins? <laughs> and, and they call it a machine, but it allows people to possess people. It's all very complex. And I loved it. And, uh, and then you get a little bit of a background story about Tazia's family, which, you know, kind of reading into this movie a little bit. Um, one reviewer was saying one of the flaws of this movie was how how is this person in in a pending divorce with her husband but still obviously wants to be with him and says to him i'm not really going to do this anymore and then gets this call in the middle of the night and then abandons her son and her husband again to go and do this i mean i know that that's supposed to be representative of their relationship but i felt I don't know, as a mother, that maybe that was a disconnected story piece? Well, I think, I mean, I've also read some different reviews on it because after I watch it, you know, we like to look up and see what other people say and what meaning they take away from it. But um, some things that kind of sparked in my mind is that she's like, she's not the family type person. Maybe that's not what she wanted in life. And, you know, her job was more important. So, yeah, she goes home and like, even when she's standing outside practicing, like, hello, yeah. my darling. Hello, my darling. We're going to, I'm hungry or whatever. She just keeps repeating. Like, she doesn't know how to have a, a normal conversation with her family. She had to practice it. I don't think that's what she wanted. Um, or could it be because she's lost herself because of her job and therefore doesn't know how now to act with her child? And that's why she's practicing. Yeah, that's true. That's what I loved about this movie is I like the lack of explanation and it leaves it open to interpretation. And I yeah. love that. It's nice when everything's not so obvious and it has you questioning and, and yeah, when you don't always have a clear answer, it, you know, it leaves some mystery. It's interesting. Agreed. hundred percent agreed. Mm-hmm. Um, the actor, Christopher Abbott, who plays Colin, who just nails this role. Oh my God. Yeah, he really does. I, especially when she took over him. So it was him having to pretend to be a woman. Like that was just his mannerisms, his gentleness. You could feel the difference when she was inside of him, you know, like. Totally. From the beginning scene of him being like him waking up. Well, when, when it's her in him. Yeah. Um, yeah. Cause she was practicing like how he was saying things and what he would do and, you know, right away, his fiance noticed a difference and was like, you're acting weird. <laughs> um, but yeah, totally. The way he moved and everything was different. And I guess the way he was connecting with his fiance and stuff. And yeah, it was really well done. I, I agree. I, I did another reason why I felt um, a di- bit disjointed about her storyline was because, and again, I can't tell if it kind of what provoked all of this but you see these glimmers of serious humanity in her while she's in him so for example she while she's in him she goes and visits her son and her husband mm-hmm. you know if if there was a bit of a disconnect there she, I don't think she would have done that that's true while she was in the middle of a, a job so to speak so I can't tell it by seeing that if that is remorse and guilt or if it's a weakness of her own mind that was one element I would like have to have seen explored a little bit was it sort of the more you take over someone 
the more it takes away from you. I, I don't know. Yeah, that's a great question. I don't know. It, it's it's hard to hard to interpret. Well, and she can't ever, I, I guess, because she says at one point as well, um, because part of the instructions given to her from this unknown higher ups are that she needs to have the, the host shoot themselves in the face. And she says she can't mm-hmm. do that. She has a hard time doing that. And you don't know the history of that. So did she only have a hard time as of Holly? Or did she always have a hard time? It made me feel like she always had a hard time with that. I don't know. I mean, the way that, like, when she was, when she came out of Holly, and then the second time when she was going into, what's Christopher Abbott's character's name again? Um, Colin. 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 Yeah, when she was going into Colin, you know, the guy that was working to put her under, you know, said that to her. He was like, make sure you pull the trigger this time. So it made it seem like that wasn't a common thing that's true in the past I think it has to do with I don't know like you know she's struggling throughout this job and um she keeps going back and forth and you can't tell if it's you know Oliver or what's his name again Colin (laughs) Oliver um (laughs) Colin's character like coming through or is it her struggling and I I think Mm -hmm. it's kind of both you see this interesting kind of back and forth and glimpses of both but I think it does have a lot to do with her and um, I don't know, it's like something changed in her mind. And I don't know, it's just diff- something different. And that's what you're kind of exploring is seeing her deal with those emotions, but also trying to get the job done. But then also seeing possibly pieces of Colin's personality. <laughs> and you can't tell sometimes like what is what? I'm not I, sure. I know. I loved it. I loved those sort of background scenes of the two of them fighting. Yeah, like when they kind of like flash and it's, yeah, like an overlap of them looking at each other almost. And then yeah, all this crazy imagery and stuff on the screen. And um, that made me think of like those, you know, flashes of imagery of like intense looking things um, kind of made me think of like David Cronenberg. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. so you can see that influence for sure. Totally. And what a great influence too. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it would be a bit more difficult to watch if the influence wasn't so good (laughs) yeah (laughs) but I did really like like yeah is is he strong-willed or was she battling like where was because there was some kind of inconsistency and compatibility between her going in him and then him being possessed by her and that scene where he finds the implant on the top of his head and pulls it out oh yeah oh again with this imagery that just gets under your skin but it's so <laughs> powerful and it wasn't even a massive scene every just every detail you know another thing I noticed um that I spoke to you before was like the the colors and there were times where I'm like oh this is like really different like the whole like there would be like a red wash on the whole shot like everything would be kind of red and then it would fade into like a different color and um it reminded me of uh what's it called um ratchet I was just watching ratchet and that was happening a bit with that show you know mm-hmm. when she when she's like in a mode of she's gonna go do something bad everything kind of goes red and then sometimes it's kind of green um but done in a different way like this was an art an artsy way but I thought like you said it didn't get pretentious but I thought it was really cool yeah I agree with you it just it it does it subtly enough that you love it without it being too in your face 
Yeah. And that reminds me, we need to talk about the penis scene. <laughs> How are we not talking about the penis scene? I mean, I'm going to, I'm going to tell you the, the fun fact I found out about this. <laughs> okay. Which by the way, that was a huge penis. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. But anyways, yeah, so Brandon wrote that sex scene initially with the penis. Then he edited, taking it out, knowing that some actors wouldn't be comfortable with it. So when the actress, her name is Andrea Riseborough, when she was cast, she was the one who suggested to him that, yeah, she should have male genital- genitalia in that scene. And that delighted Cronenberg. And so he brought that scene back in, which... As a woman, I really appreciate that his his hesitation there, but I also really appreciate that he didn't just say to her, oh, well, no, I took it out for this reason. Instead, he said, you know what? You're the actress playing this part. You're the actor who's going to be doing this. I'm going to write it back in there because everyone wants it. It's everyone is on board. There is no reason that this scene shouldn't happen. I like that. I do too. I, I just, I, I loved seeing this duality of this woman inside this man. And then it goes Mm -hmm. back to her being a woman with this giant penis. I mean, obviously any woman and maybe, maybe there are some women out there who will say otherwise, but me myself, and I'm sure you can agree if you were going to become a man for a day, we were (laughs) absolutely putting that thing to use. Absolutely. (laughs) Yeah. You got to, check out the merchandise something you're not used to (laughs) totally and it just the whole scene was just very sexually charged and you could see kind of the reservation in her when they first started having sex but then she really got into it because it was such a different world and a different viewpoint and sensation and it was just very I really enjoyed that scene Mm -hmm. I think the whole thing was yeah like you said just really interesting and well done and unique very unique absolutely um so the scene where he pulls the needle out of his head and all of a sudden the two of them are separated i remember at that point thinking it was going to turn into a whodunit revenge kind of story where it was going to be him specifically trying to find her and I loved how it didn't necessarily go in that direction I mean it ended up happening that way but he ran before he did anything else and that's not the direction I thought he was gonna go yeah I didn't honestly think too much I was trying to be present in the moment and because you know I try to like always think about what's gonna happen I have I know what's gonna happen in this movie I was just focused I wasn't even like thinking about what was gonna happen so I oh, kind of good. took it at face value in a sense. And yeah, but there were some, there were some good, um, some good, you know, twists and turns. Oh yeah. Well, I mean, I loved the scene where the friend shows up and that's when you find out that it's the friend was a plant. He yeah. Was planted there. I did not expect that, especially the way no, I... they were talking and you know, that scene earlier on, you just think, Oh great. It's another douchebag he works with. And yeah. <laughs> Somebody shows up at the but apartment it, and yeah, that was pretty cool. Well, it's interesting because in, in one respect, while, while he was explaining all of this to Tazia's character, 
or well, Colin via Tazia. I was trying to get a sense of, was it one of the other people implanted in him, but it wasn't. And I loved that they didn't have that happen because it happens later. Right. Mm -hmm. I loved that. No, no. He actually was part of this plan from the get-go. Yeah. (laughs) It was very cool. (laughs) Very cool. And then of course the scene where the two of them are battling in that, I don't know if it's supposed to be limbo or in between the, the, the worlds of the layers of humanity. I don't really know. But when she's battling him and he pushes her face down and smushes it. Yeah, like kind of like collapses. Yes. That was a really cool visual effect and something, you know, I, I haven't seen before in a movie, that's for sure. Agreed. Just watching her face deflate. And then he pulls her face off and wears it as a mask. And then it looks really creepy. It looks really creepy. That would be a great Halloween costume. Just like that look. 100%. This movie was very inspiring to me, by the way. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. There's a lot to to draw from this movie. (laughs) Oh, absolutely. And and then the end. um, Where he ends up at her husband's house. And... I I thought the end was very sad, actually. Yeah. That it was, she ended up killing her son and she kind of knew it too. I think part of, like, I think she wanted to, I don't know. It's. I, I agree with you. And, yeah. and for those listening, this is one of those moments where we said we're not English majors. So maybe there was some bigger metaphor there that you and I missed. Maybe there, like you were talking about, maybe there was some level of regret to having children. And this was her closing that I don't know that was still hard to watch though I always have a hard time watching when it involves children I agree with you I mean I wondered if there was an element of her knowing that the other woman had possessed him and maybe that was she was meaning to kill her in kind of saying I'm done with all of this yeah and and therefore everyone around me is just going to come down I don't know yeah, I, I challenge those viewers who have watched this movie. Let us know if you interpreted the ending as a bigger representation of something or if you took it like a face value, sort of like we did, that it was a very sad ending. And it, it just you could see sort of the disconnect after she was taken out of everything and they start asking her the questions about, you know, what did you do with this? This is yours. Explain this to me so that, you know, there was a level of memory there. And Mm -hmm. it just, she wasn't really emotional in any of her responses. Yeah. That, I mean, it's a unique way to kind of end a movie. And I haven't seen something quite like that. No, I haven't either. It was pretty cool. But I thought it was... Yeah, and it stuck with us, right? That's what I liked about this movie is it wasn't just a movie we threw on and, yep, put it in the list. I watched it, you know? (laughs) There's a lot of different layers to it. Like, I think this is one, to pick up on all the nuances, you need to watch a few times. Like, I've started watching it again, and I 
yeah, I started picking up and noticing things that I didn't notice the first time. So I think there's just a lot to see, uh, a lot there in general. Well, that's not shocking to hear from a Cronenberg family member. (laughs) (laughs) Did you ever watch the movie Crash? There's a lot of layers to that. Wasn't there two movies called Crash? Yeah, so Cronenberg did the one with... um... Not oh the one goodness. I'm thinking of. I don't. Th- I think I saw the other crash. So this one was about um, basically people getting into car accidents and being turned on by it and having sex either at the car accident or, you know. So I haven't later. seen that one. I've heard about it, but I haven't seen it. Yeah, <laughs> it's it's with James Spader in his beautiful heyday that's when he looked amazing and his acting was just super on point not like when he's doing what a blacklist show whatever that is terrible <laughs> um yeah I got through like yeah, 30 seconds was, of an episode of blacklist and it was like oh I can't even and turns it off I, I know I, it was very unfortunate because James Spader is awesome I lo- absolutely love him yeah but um yeah it's it's the nuances in their movies that just I love it it gets you thinking it gets you talking I mean it got us talking about about this movie and I I can honestly say if we had reviewed Antebellum or uh, you should have left those were the other choices that that we had up for debate I don't think it would have been as interesting like not as much to talk about and yeah yeah it just would have been more picking apart acting or I would imagine sort of what was wrong with that movie. I mean, I didn't find very many faults in this movie as a horror watcher. I mean, it wasn't scary. It didn't jump scare. I don't think it's a a horror. I would classify it as more like a, almost like a psychological thriller. Even sci-fi maybe? Yeah, definitely (laughs) elements of sci-fi with that. And you know what I didn't, just as a side note, I didn't really pick up on, not that it really mattered, but the time frame, like what year this was, I was reading somebody's review and they said, oh, it was in t- supposed to be 2008. And I thought, what? That wasn't mentioned. And when I was rewatching it, I see like them bust out a flip phone and they're <laughs> messaging on this like, you know, the side, like the sideways sidekick flip phone. And I thought, oh, there's like a sign of that of that time. Um, but you really have no idea other than that, like based on maybe fashion and things like that. But you can't really tell what it is. Well, it's funny. I, I noticed that during during my watch with it and it occurred to me that yeah the time frame but I thought if they actually are these kind of hired assassins they wouldn't have they they would have more burner phones and aren't burner phones sort of flip phones aren't they that that's sort of what that is Mm, well they were like the scene I'm thinking of was when they they took um Colin when they kidnapped Colin for the implant and they were texting from his phone to his fiance and it was like one of those not even a full flip phone like a sideways you know do you know what I'm talking about Nokia the one switch or yeah whatever like it was the, called. yeah the yeah. ones you turn sideways and you're messaging and the way that the imagery looked and I don't know why I just brought that up but I just thought it was interesting because in that time it seemed like it seemed like the technology of the assassin work and everything could be something that could happen like in this current time but they chose to have it in I guess in 2008 or whatever that time frame was um so I don't know just an extra thought well, knowing that makes it even more interesting because then they're technologically advanced if that was 12 years ago yeah. 13 years ago 
<laughs> yeah. That's true. Um, some trivia I found out and I think is super interesting. So the most of the special effects were done practically with very little visual effects. Really? Yeah. And so what I, I, I kind of had a basic understanding of what that is, but I actually looked up what visual effects means. And so I think this is even more interesting. Visual effects are visually, um, visual effects that are created, manipulated, or enhanced that cannot take place during live action shooting. So knowing this movie and all of the effects, they were all done practically. Hmm. And with very little of that after effect, that after manipulation, that after like editing, editing. It. That's crazy. That's incredibly crazy. A lot of because... it is like overlapping, you know, like, mm-hmm. like two different, like, you know, when, when Colin and Tassia are like, you know, becoming one kind of, you see them overlapping and then you see these flashes and you see different imagery and just all these different things. It seems like, wow, that's, yeah, that's impressive. (laughs) It's so impressive because all I thought was, I mean, it didn't look CGI'd in any kind of way, but I, while you're watching this, you're like, oh yeah, they definitely would have had to add layers to this. Yeah. But no, apparently not very much. Wow. Hmm. And another thing that I thought was kind of interesting was, so the initial um, character, Holly, so in the script, she wasn't given a gender or a race. And the actress, Gabrielle Grahams, her audition impressed him so much that he cast her right away. And then he said that, you know, she really just nailed the subtle, nuanced and emotional aspects of the sequence. And because of the quick violence from the authorities to her character, it is such a representation of Black Lives Matter and today's climate. Hmm. And I loved that he went in that direction because people can be very sensitive to that. And this is a direct representation of that. Like they, you see a black woman standing there that's murdered someone. Yeah. She's shot down instantly. Not even a question. Yeah. I noticed that. And I was thinking that there was a point where normally, you know, obviously they would just like arrest her or something. They just shot her right in the face. Yeah. There wasn't even a question. No. And like I said, that's such a representation of today's climate and kudos to them for doing that. Mm-hmm. And for him kind of picking up on that when he cast her. Yeah. Like, I know. I'm just, I'm very overall impressed with this movie and, and him as a director. And I can't wait to see what he has to do more of in the future. I, I haven't seen antiviral yet. That is on my list. I was going to ask you what else he did. Antiviral. Was that from like 10 years ago or something? 10. Um, you know, that's a good question. I'm going to quickly look this up. Antiviral. I think I was from 20, 2012. Okay. So not, not that long ago, nine, nine years, <laughs> but antiviral, it says in a blackly sati- satirical near future, a thriving industry sells celebrity illnesses to their obsessed fans. Oh, I think I did see that one. I feel like I need to rewatch it though. He also did a movie that I had no idea he did called Broken Tulips with, um, oh my goodness, <laughs> what is his name? I can't even remember. Bill Murray is in that. Oh, I haven't seen that movie. Hmm. I believe it's 
that movie. Well, now I want to check it out because this movie was really (laughs) well done. It makes me want to see what else he's done. Yeah, I agree. It's, you know, what I'm finding, and I was sort of talking about this with someone yesterday um, on his podcast or his uh, YouTube channel, was there are these new directors that are coming out right now. Jordan Peele is one. Ari Oster is another where they're doing these really complex horror and social commentary movies together. And they're so impactful. And usually that kind of impact is with a director that's been directing for 20 years, Mm -hmm. you know, and all of three of these directors haven't had very many movies under their belts and they're incredible. Yes. A new, a new breed of directors and almost like a new, maybe like a new subgenre of horror though. Cause like, you know, back when I feel like horror really started to come to life and was really well known kind of in the eighties. Right. And oh, yeah. there wasn't this kind of depth to horror movies. It was just like slashers and, and for fun, for the most part, like sometimes maybe there were, but as a whole, um, I feel like now movies are really evolving in the, the horror genre. I think of, yeah, with Ari Aster, you know, with Hereditary um, and Midsummer, just the very different um, messages, like you said, and different styles uh, of horror. I think that's really um, cool. Something that's really evolved. Social commentary horror. That's what it should be called. Oh, there we go. You're, you're creating a title we, for the genre. We, we should see if the subgenre exists. And if it does not, it's ours. We're, we're claiming the title. <laughs> there we go. And these will all be in it. <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. This one will be part of that, you know? Yeah. And also her being in him and a man becoming a woman and a woman embracing that. I just, yeah, I loved it. Yeah, kind of like that gender fluidity and um, yeah, I like seeing, I like seeing that in a film. It was cool. I agree. Well, thank you so much for being on today's podcast and reviewing this movie that we both will recommend. Um, I wouldn't recommend it to anybody that is quite busy. So this is a movie that you're going to want to sit down and pay a little bit more attention to. Definitely. There's a lot of details. I had to rewatch it. Um, you need to focus. <laughs> need to focus. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. But we highly both recommend it. And um, we can't wait to see more of Brandon Cronenberg in the future. And Christopher Abbott just saying he's hot. Oh. <laughs> and oh, a yeah. good actor. He did a great job, but he, he was he nice to look job, at. But... Hugely nice to look at. And also a very nice departure from girls for him. I thought totally something very different. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, agreed. Thank you for having me. You're welcome. And this is now the second podcast you and I have done sort of reviews. Yeah. There we go. Here's to more in the future, more in the future. That's right. <laughs> and if you want to, if you want to hear what Julie and I reviewed previously, go back and take a look at the Children of the Corn episode where we did a compare and contrast between the short story and the movie. And maybe when the new one comes out, we can revitalize our previous review. There's another one coming out? Oh, you bet. <laughs> I feel like I'm out of the loop of these things now. They keep redoing and redoing and redoing, which I don't always think is a good thing. 
I agree with you completely. They should not be redoing this one. But maybe we should just get super drunk and watch it, and then film the podcast then, and it can be like a commentary while watching it. That's <sighs> that's a I love it. I love it. Stay tuned, everybody. That is that is what we're gonna do next. <laughs> Thanks, Julia. Thank you.